the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Uh, my name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots and the Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups, where our mission is to unite freedom-loving, America-loving Americans and magnify our strength and effectiveness in making and keeping America great, free, and prosperous. And we see every day the need for people to step up and fulfill the obligations of that most important political office if we're going to, as uh, as Ben Franklin said, keep the republic. So far, what we're doing now is not enough. I'm very pleased to welcome back, and we're going to just jump right into it because we have a, we have a half an hour with um, with our first guest, Ken Timmerman, and then we're going to be talking to a friend of ours, uh, J- uh, Derek Kinnison, who was uh, one of the J6 defendants, and he was just recently convicted. We're going to uh, get an update from him and what what happened at the trial. Um, last time we talked to Ken, he was a foreign spo- foreign affairs specialist, uh, investigative reporter. We last talked to him on September 30th. And then the very next week, well, Hamas launched its uh, terrorist attack. And it's almost, terrorist attack is almost isn't even enough to describe the horrific things that the Hamas terrorists did to Israeli civilians, including babies, children, women, uh, non-combatants. Uh, so, uh, Ken has written numerous books, including his own autobiography, and the rest is history, Tales of Hostages, Arms Dealers, Dirty Tricks, and Spies, Election Heist, which was a uh, remarkably prescient novel published in August 2020, Countdown to Crisis, The Coming Nuclear Showdown, showdown with Iran, Dark Forces, the, the Truth About What Happened in Benghazi. Uh, Always glad to have Ken on the show. So welcome, Ken, and let's 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 let us dive into it. I understand you're 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 up late. You're coming from your estate in um, uh, in south in the south of France. In, in the south of France, after the olive harvest, uh, we have lots of dead trees to cut down. There's dead wood everywhere in France, but you know it's not just France, Greg. Uh, it's uh, in Florida where we live. There's dead wood as well. Some of it in Congress. Yes, um, I, a, lot, a lot of dead wood in the Ron DeSantis campaign, but that's not where we. But that's not where we are. <laughs> but that, that's not where we're going today. So, um, where are we in the Israeli Hamas war? Um, what's what's what is the status of the fighting now? Well, well, the past couple of days, Greg, have been actually remarkable because the Israelis have moved into Al Shifa Hospital, and I'm sure that most of our listeners are aware. Uh, this is where Israel has been committing genocide, according to the national media in the United States, the corporate media, the international media. The Israelis are killing doctors. They're killing patients and babies and mothers. And, uh-oh, sorry, that's not what actually happened. They're coming in with medical supplies and, 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 and you know, uh, 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 babies' beds and, and everything else that they need, and they've exposed the Hamas uh, military installations in the upper part of the hospital. They found in an MRI unit, for example, a number of Hamas go bags for terrorists with Kalashnikovs, with, with body, uh, uh, body vests, explosive vests, uh, with chargers and everything else that they needed. Uh, they have not yet shown footage of the underground tunnels. Our listeners may recall that about 10 days ago, the Israelis showed a video mock-up of of what they conceived through intelligence to be the underground tunnels beneath the Al-Shifa hospital. They haven't yet gotten there. Uh, I expect we're going to see that in the next couple of days. But this is not, I can tell you, the genocide that the anti-Semites and the anti-Zionists, and they, by the way, are both the same. Uh, are claiming that Israel has been committing. Yes. Um, 
interesting and we'll come to that is the sentiment there's so much sentiment in the west and in america uh favoring the uh favoring hamas which is which is which is interesting and a reflection yeah and and a reflection what's going on in the uh in the government run schools and and universities i know that that uh there was there was significant talk that before Israel launched its ground offensive against Gaza, that this was it was it's an urban area, at least parts of it are. This is going to be Stalingrad 2.0. Uh, that seems not to be happening. The, the Israelis seem to be methodically knocking down, figuratively, literally, Hamas and its infrastructure in 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 Gaza without it being Stalingrad 2.0. Uh, that's right. And I think the Israelis have learned a lot from previous wars. Uh, I was in Beirut in 1982. I was a hostage. I recount that story and, and the rest is history, a hostage of the Palestinians. And the media in that war was talking about Beirut as Stalingrad. And I learned something very important uh, in 1982, that the Palestinians like to take the civilian population as hostages. Uh, many of the People who were kept with me underground in a prison cell next to the uh, sports stadium, which is where the Palestinians at that point had their AAA uh, artillery to try to shoot down Israeli jets. So it was absolutely a military uh, area. Uh, Many of those people had been trying to escape Beirut. The same thing is happening in Gaza today. Uh, The Israelis have shown footage of uh, people trying to flee hospitals and they get intercepted by Hamas guards firing on them. Uh, the Israelis have been very careful to set up humanitarian corridors and they publish this all over the Internet. They drop leaflets. They show people exactly where to walk. Now, it's not that hard in the Gaza Strip. It's not very wide. And they show them exactly the road that they should go down. And over over a million people have taken that road already, roughly half the population of the Gaza Strip. So uh, it's not Stalingrad. Uh, the uh, Hamas uh, leaders would like to turn it into Stalingrad, but the Israelis and the people of Gaza have been uh, diligent enough to prevent that from happening. So the human shields don't necessarily like, the, don't necessarily want to be human shields. That, that's right. They don't necessarily want to stick around to get themselves blown to bits as shields for that RPG-carrying Hamas terrorist. Now, is it is a human is a, if a human shield dies? They're they're not, they're next to or they they put a rocket launcher next to uh, civilians. Israel hits the rocket launcher. Are are they considered martyrs in Islam? They are absolutely considered martyrs. Uh, Hamas calls them martyrs, and uh, many of the Palestinian women that you see uh, on television uh, say, "Though my son has been martyred by the Israelis." Uh, because he was killed either on October 7th on an operation to kill Israeli children and mothers and, and, and grandparents, or because he or she was uh, killed during a bombing run on a military facility. But yeah, they are considered martyrs. They're celebrated as martyrs. Uh, but the Israelis have been pretty careful to uh, separate out the military targets from the civilian. Do we have a sense? So what... I was going to ask about the origin of the attack, but what is what is Israel what does Israeli victory look like? Is I mean, is it is is it possible to win this war and and the the Palestinians go? Huh, we better not do that again, or is it just going to be waiting and preparing for the next round of fighting? Well, this is a very important question, Greg, and I've been talking about this and talking to different people about this as well. Bibi Netanyahu has been talking about it in a very different way than previous wars. He's been he's been a war prime minister in several previous conflicts. They've been smaller conflicts against Gaza or the West Bank or in Lebanon. But nevertheless, he has been a war prime minister. I believe this is my personal opinion. I think the Israelis have to turn Gaza into Berlin of May 1949, uh, 1945. They have to absolutely demolish the, the military infrastructure, the civilian infrastructure, they have to achieve a total military victory, which, by the way, they have not had in any of the previous wars. The West in particular, the United States especially, has held Israel back from total victory. 
It is time the Israelis are allowed to go to the end. And the end means they utterly smash Hamas. They smash their infrastructure. They kill the leadership. They go after them in Qatar, where they're living lives of luxury, by the way. Um, the three top Hamas leaders are reportedly said to each have a personal fortune of over $3 billion. That's billion with a B. Money that is taken from international donors that did not go to the Palestinian people. So I think this has to be a total victory on the part of the Israelis to the point that the Palestinians in Gaza realize they can never, ever, ever allow Hamas to come back. Okay. Um, that, that would certainly be a, that would certainly be a, a, a good ending given the history of Islam and uh, the 1400-year war and how the Islam is inherently anti-Semitic it's, it, it, into, to its doctrine. My view, is, my view is you could kill every Hamas fighter, every Hamas leader. You could level every building in Gaza. And as the next, as next generation comes up, they're going to do the same thing. Uh, Greg, that's, that's, uh, certainly an argument to make. Uh, but remember, America's first war, first overseas war was against the Barbary pirates. Who were they? Uh, it's the beginning of the U.S. Marine Corps. Uh, remember from, uh, you know, <laughs> to, to the shores of Tripoli. They went to the shores of Tripoli, Libya to fight Islamic jihadi terrorists who were attacking U.S. shipping, uh, in the Mediterranean. Uh, and, and, uh, once we killed off the, uh, leaders of that, uh, movement, if you wish, at the time, they didn't bother us for another 150 years. So you have to hit them hard enough. You hit them hard enough. Uh, you destroy everything that they've got. You make them understand they, they, their descendants that they can never come back and hit you again because you will be utterly ruthless, uh, against them. That's what the Israelis must do. They must inflict so much damage that uh, the Hamas leadership will not uh, rear its ugly head again for generations to come. We did the same thing in World War II. Right. Now, the, but um, Germany and Japan didn't, weren't, didn't have Islamic ideology. They were, they, they were transformed. Those, those countries were transformed after the end of the war. Um, the last 1400 years suggests that transforming Islam may be a little bit harder, but let's, let's, let's take a pause here. Well, we'll for, I'll take, I'll take a hundred years. You know, a hundred years okay. would be pretty good. If, if I were, if I were sitting in Jerusalem today, uh, I'd say a hundred years. Wow. That'd be, that'd be, I'd take 40 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. We'll take a pause here and hear from Ed Hoffman of United American Mortgage, the place to go for your real estate lending needs. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event right here on AM590, The Answer. Mortgage rates are up, but credit card rates are way higher, and credit card balances have hit an all-time high as inflation puts the squeeze on everyone's budget, not to mention how auto loan rates and payments have gone through the roof. Let me point out, it doesn't matter how low your existing mortgage interest rate is if you can't make the payments on everything else. Are you wondering what to do? Do you need some financial strategy? Want to talk to someone who thinks like you? Call me at 855-640-2020. We'll discuss a strategy that works for you today and also considers what happens when the interest rates drop as we move into the inevitable recession. To have that discussion, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, Redlands Tea Party Patriots and Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups. Very pleased to be visiting with uh, Ken Timmerman, who is an investigative reporter specializing in foreign policy and particularly the Middle East. We last talked to him on September 30th, and a week later, 
the Hamas terrorist attacks occurred and a new war in uh, in in the Middle East. Um, it certainly looks like that Israel can, if it's allowed to continue its campaign, will ultimately inflict tremendous damage both on the personnel and infrastructure of Hamas. How does this play in the larger Middle East? So you got Hezbollah, which has launched some attacks, but not all out on Israel. There are, there have been attacks on some of our military bases in Syria. Why do we have military bases in Syria? No, the question. But the, but the other nations haven't got, Iran has not attacked directly Israel. They haven't closed the Straits of Hormuz. Turkey made noises about getting involved, but hasn't done it. How is what's how is it the other players in the Middle East? What are they trying to accomplish with this? And what do you think that will this result in a larger regional war? That's exactly what people were talking about in the early days after October 7th. I believe what we're seeing instead is a dance of deterrence, a dance of deterrence between the Israelis and Iran, between Iran and the United States. You know, the Iranian proxies, whether they're in uh, Syria or in Yemen or in Iraq or in Lebanon, have attacked U.S. forces over 48 times since these attacks occurred, since the October 7th attacks occurred. And that's according to the Pentagon two days ago. We have responded, I think, three or four times since then. That is it. The Biden uh, White House is saying they do not want to escalate with Iran. They want to keep Iran off of the battlefield. The Iranians are regularly using Hezbollah to lob rockets into Israel as well. But, and you remarked this very clearly, they have not yet entered the fray 100%. Hezbollah is uh, has a rocket force that makes uh, Hamas look like pikers. They have uh, high-precision high precision, uh, missiles, which are capable of attacking military and civilian targets, infrastructure targets in Israel, throughout Israel. They have not yet used those missiles, those uh, guided missiles. Uh, The Israelis are looking at that, I can guarantee you, very, very carefully. Uh, Many Israeli analysts that I've talked to have said that would be the red line with Iran. Should Iran unleash Hezbollah to open that second front in a major way, not the way they've done it so far. They've done onesies and twosies, but to launch uh, the Hezbollah attack against Israel with these precision guided missiles, uh, that would be the second front, and that would unleash Israel for a response against the Islamic regime in Iran. I think the Iranians understand that very well. They don't want to go there. So they're, again, I use this term, a dance of deterrence. That's what's going on between Iran, Israel, and the United States. Yeah, so we want to, we want to look like we're standing up for the Palestinians, but they're, they're at least, ra- at least at this point, they're rational enough that they don't, they don't want a full out war, at least yet, between Iran and, and Israel. So the Iranians are a little bit like Joe Biden. You know, Biden is willing to fight Russia to the blood of the last Ukrainian. Uh, the Iranians are willing to fight Israel to the blood of the last Palestinian. Uh, <laughs> this is what proxy wars are all about. It's despicable. Uh, it's horrible. Yet this is the reality. Uh, I, I think things could uh, deteriorate. Um, but at this point, uh, both the Iranians, the Israeli, the Iranians, the Iranians, the Israelis and the Americans, I think, want to keep things relatively limited. There seems to be a little bit of Saudi Arabian Iranian rapprochement. What's going on there? Well, I think that is more uh, on the surface than underneath. Uh, they have exchanged ambassadors recently, uh, and they did that, um, you know, at, at, at the same time that the Saudis were talking to Israel about becoming essentially the fifth partner to the Abraham Accords. And I think that's really the big picture here. The Iranians unleash this this attack on October 7th, because, look, let's be very clear, uh, Hamas didn't do it by themselves. Uh, their leaders were in Iran a week beforehand. They had been training people in Iran for two years before these attacks. Uh, they were getting trained by the Quds Force of the Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps. The Iranians are behind this. And I think their real uh, fear was that Israel and Saudi Arabia would get together 
and uh, essentially uh, form a new type of Abraham Accord. Bibi Netanyahu, just three weeks before these attacks, was at the United Nations, and he showed a map of the new Middle East economic corridor, which would bring oil supplies, natural gas supplies, and trade in general from Saudi Arabia. And he drew the line from Saudi Arabia through Israel to Greece and into the European Union. He did that in public on television at the United Nations in New York. Three weeks later, Iran unleashed this attack to block that Saudi-Israeli uh, rapprochement. Because once the Saudis get together with Israel uh, for the Islamic regime in Tehran, I think it's all finished. It's over. What's happening with, and it's almost like there's, it's, it's the, I don't know what's a good analogy, I don't have one, is Iran has been basically able to have the capacity to build nuclear weapons, at least since earlier this earlier they share, if not before. But that just seems to be, you know, they haven't tested. Um, there hasn't been an announcement. Yes, we have. Yes, we've, de- we, we have them. We've deployed them. We have on the missiles. But Israel hasn't, Israel hasn't, hasn't, it's long plan for attack on uh, right. Iranian nuclear facilities has not happened. What's going on? Well, the, the Iranians, I believe, are a virtual nuclear weapon state. The International Atomic Energy Agency came out with a report this week that says that they have continued uh, to build up 60% enriched uranium. That is essentially weapons-grade uranium. They have enough now to build uh, five weapons within a month, five weapons within one month, should they choose to do so. We would not see that. The IAEA would not see that. International monitors would not see that. So Iran can essentially become a nuclear weapon state whenever they choose. And and there's the rub, Greg. Uh, the We do not have insight. When I say we, the United States government, the CIA, uh, Western intelligence agencies in general, even the Israelis do not have insight into the thinking of the Ayatollah in Tehran. The Israelis are very good at doing intelligence operations on the ground. They got, uh, they managed to identify and exfiltrate the entire nuclear archive from Tehran. Amazingly, about uh, five years ago, again, Netanyahu just showed some of that at the United Nations, uh, but Neither they nor the United States or anybody else that I know of has insight into the thinking of Ayatollah Khamenei, the supreme leader. When will he decide to declare Iran as a nuclear weapon state is a mystery to everybody at this point. Uh, the, the, uh, the announcement may come with the, the EMP attack on the United States of America and that we don't have time to go. delve into EMP, but it, but it could destroy our entire electrical infrastructure with one or two right. nuclear bombs detonated in space. Um, absolutely. Well, we've seen as a junk to this, we've seen these mass demonstrations more so in Europe than here, but also, also here of both leftists, Indigenous to you know Americans and, and Europeans, but also the the Muslims who they or their parents have immigrated to the West. Hundreds of thousands of people are allowed to uh, desecrate war memorials in, in UK. Um, and Henry Kissinger comes out and says, "You know, maybe this wasn't such a good idea to let uh, so many Muslims immigrate into our countries." Now he tells yeah. us. Yeah. Well, I, t- I tell you, the good news is here where I'm sitting in France, uh, there was a demonstration on Sunday that brought together political parties, most of them from left to right. Uh, the former communists did not show up, but it was a demonstration against anti-Semit- against anti-Semitism. You had several former presidents. You had Marine Le Pen, the head of the uh, former National Front, whose father notoriously said, that, uh, you know, the Holocaust was a myth, was a, was a, was a, uh, was a fake. She has not said that. I've met her personally. She said that to me personally a number of years ago in Washington, D.C. She does not believe the, uh, blood libels against Jews. She was there marching with all other major French political leaders against anti-Semitism. 250,000 people in the streets of Paris. That doesn't get reported as much as these pro-Hamas demonstrations get reported, alas. 
is there uh, any sign um, that the, the Europeans are going to say, hey, wait a minute, um, uh, maybe letting in all these Muslims here is not a good idea? I, I asked that question. You got about maybe 30 seconds at best to, uh, to answer. Well, uh, I'm not sure that they're going to walk back the Muslim immigration, which has become a policy. I think what they will do is walk forward the integration of Muslims into their societies. It's not always been successful. There's this famous picture of Angela Merkel, the former German chancellor, leaning towards a Palestinian girl, a young teenager, who is crying because Merkel just told her that not all immigrants would be able to get German passports. This young Palestinian girl got a German passport, and now what is she? She's a rank, uh, awful anti-Semite in public, calling for the destruction of Israel, calling for the murder of Jews. Uh, I hope that will be a wake-up call uh, to some people in Germany, at least. We shall see. Um, we could. I'd love to carry on the discussion and talk about other areas of the world, but we don't have time this week. Thank you so much for joining us, as well as your your book, The Rest is History, and all the other books. You can find them on Amazon and other places where, you, where they sell books, and your website, Ken Timmerman, with two M's, dot com. Thanks again, and thanks for your good work, and stay tuned for the exciting second half of Unite IE Radio with J6 defendant Derek Kinnison. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen, followed closely by your friendly neighborhood radio talk show host, and that would be me, Greg Britton. And uh, we are very pleased to uh, to be able to report that we are the number one conservative talk radio show in our market, in our time slot. And I have worked very hard to achieve this and um, very pleased to, uh, to be able to announce that to you. Uh, the United A Coalition is a group of conservative and patriot groups in the Indian Empire where our mission is to unite freedom-loving America-loving Americans and magnify our strength and effectiveness in making and keeping America great, free, and prosperous. Um, very pleased to be to have back on the show, although not because of why I asked him to come back on the show, uh, Derek Kinnison. Uh, he is a great patriot uh, from the Inland Empire, went to the uh, J6 rally to protest the uh, stealing of the 2020 election, not just from Donald Trump, but from the American voters who are supposed to be able to make a choice of who their leader, the president, and other elected officials are and uh, ended up being charged with that, he, even though never went into the Capitol, never damaged any property, never committed any violence on any person of any kind whatsoever, passed no no trespassing signs, didn't go through any fences, did absolutely positively nothing wrong. But in today's America, if you're a uh, conservative patriot, that doesn't matter. So uh, welcome, welcome to the show, Derek. Yeah, thanks for having me back. And uh, real quick, I did want to say I did plagiarize you a little bit during my trial when I introduced myself to the jury and uh, started um, describing uh, uh, a little bit about myself. I said that I had two jobs, and the first job was uh, holding uh, the highest uh, political, most important political position in America, and that's a private citizen in the Constitutional Republic. So threw that out there for you. Oh, that, that that probably convicted you right there. Probably. Yeah. At least in their minds. Um, I have it right. I mean, that, that that's what I, you, you went on Capitol grounds, but there were, by that point, Ray Epps and crew had removed all the, uh, the restricted area signs and the fencing around that area. There was no indication you couldn't be there. They never announced you couldn't be there. Didn't go in the Capitol. Didn't attack anybody. Didn't damage any property. All correct? And I didn't steal anything. So, yeah, yeah, real quick, just to clarify. So um, I actually wasn't even headed to the Capitol. We were working uh, kind of like a volunteer security at the Trump rally, and we were super cold, and the day was long, and we're headed back to the hotel. And, uh, you know, we heard that Antifa was around town messing with people, and then eventually we heard that Antifa was breaking into the Capitol. So by the time that I got over to the Capitol, um, to the lawn was uh, 2 p.m. So the first breaches and everything of the fencing started at like 12.30. So I was there pretty late. Again, didn't go inside, touch anybody, steal anything, break anything. 
Yeah, and uh, when when Ray Epps and crew breached the fencing and removed the fencing and removed the restricted area signs on that side of the Capitol, Donald Trump was still speaking. Exactly. And then, and we, you're going to be told told his supporters, you're going to be marching to the Capitol to make your voices heard peacefully and patriotically. And there was there was there was a permitted rally. It was on the other side on the other side of the Capitol from where the events happened. But there was a per- so people went to the Capitol thinking, yes, we we're going to have a rally there, and they had they had a permit to have a rally at the Capitol. Six permits that day for the Capitol grounds. Yes. And I know from somebody else who was there is that the Capitol Police diverted the crowd from the side where they were supposed to have the rally over to the side where all the events happened. Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Um, our, our, our guest from first half is, is, is listening and he says, it makes you wonder. Well, it, I don't wonder. And you, and you, if you, yeah, I know you still have your sentencing coming up. Um, you don't have to agree or disagree with me. Without a <laughs> doubt, January 6th was a Democrat Party and federal, quote, law enforcement, unquote, but then I repeat myself, Reichstag operation. I've heard many people compare it to the Reichstag fire, yeah. This is exactly what they want. You, you look at They were warned that there was going to be a big crowd. They were offered... President Trump offered them National Guard troops to bolster their own... to bolster their security for the place. It was denied. It was turned down. They didn't want. They didn't want it. As we talked about, they let the people come onto that side of the Capitol. They diverted the people from the rally over to that side of the Capitol. When Ray Epps and crew breached the, the fence and took down the signs, there was no response from the Capitol Police. They didn't try to push him back. Didn't announce you can't be here. Uh, they, the people the, that the scaffold commander, who had never been identified, was on the scaffold encouraging people to go forward. They, the Capitol Police, um, without, without warning and contrary to their policies, started using tear gas and rubber bullets on the, on the, on the, on the crowd. And then on cue, Capitol Police opened the barricades and, and opened the doors and let the protesters in. Oh, and, and of course, there were, yes, and the, the Antifas just, uh, that uh, we have on video dressed as Donald Trump supporters. Yeah, there was uh, there was busloads, and uh, they were to acknowledge each other by having a MAGA hat on backwards. And there, there were and there were also numerous federal law enforcement, quote unquote, law enforcement agents undercover there, as well numerous. as as federal as federal informants. Um, yeah, it's it stinks. It stinks. Yeah, to it stinks. Have what was what was what was what was done there. Um, and you've, I mean, you, you, you kind of, let's, let's back up and we'll start with, you come back and the FBI, quote, contacts you, unquote. Tell us about that. Yeah. So February 19th, uh, 2021, uh, 6.02 in the morning, FBI raided my house, um, pointed guns at, at myself. I went out, um, before they breached my house, um, I went out peacefully. Uh, my young daughter was in the house. They called her out by name, pointing guns with lasers at her. They used flashbangs at my house. They used that, uh, the tank track robot. They had a battering ram, Bearcat tactical vehicles. Um, they conducted a simultaneous raid on myself and my three friends that had to have cost, um, well over a million dollars, you know, four simultaneous, uh, SWAT team raids. Right, and as, as if as if there as if there was any, there were gonna, you were going to get resistance if they had come over and knocked on the door and said, "FBI, we have a search warrant." You know, okay, you would let them in. Search. Yeah, yeah. I I told them they they could have called or uh, you know scheduled something. I mean, they 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 didn't have to handle it as aggressive as they did. I'm someone who uh, hasn't had any priors. Uh, um, I got a Cal or I had a California CCW, so that means I had a clean record. Yeah. So yeah, they uh, they did it as a scare tactic for sure. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it's intimidation. It's like the uh, in the movie Police State, there was a, a, a pro life protester, and he they were they were indicted him for supposedly interfering with access to an abortion mill, and you know. 
what had happened was one of, one of the um, pro-abortion, the, the escorts had come over and was harassing his son, and he gives him a push and pushes him away from his son, and he was going to be, so he was uh, indicted by the feds. He had offered, his attorney had offered, yes, my client, when he's indicted, my client will turn himself in. But instead, it was the same type of thing, massive show of force. FBI shows up at dawn at his house, pointing guns at him and his family. Didn't even, and they didn't even announce in his case mm-hmm. that they were FBI. They're, they're just pounding on the door at 6 o'clock in the morning. Open up! And I think what he said, and I think that's right, is they were hoping he would come to the because they didn't identify themselves, he was going to come to the door with a gun, and they were going to shoot him. Yeah. Okay, so they, they, they do this massive show of support. They don't detain you; they release you. And then what happens? Yes, I wasn't. I wasn't charged um, at that time. I did not give them a statement. I just uh, told them I'd be happy to cooperate with their investigation, but I need to speak with counsel. They didn't really respect that. Kept trying to ask me questions, but I didn't answer any. Um, and then 110 days later, on a 120 day warrant, um, they called me. And um, kind of snarky, they said, well, remember when you said we should have called beforehand? Well, this is your phone call. You're being federally indicted. You need to turn yourself in to Riverside County FBI office. Um, don't make us have to come and get you. It's going to look bad, but we're not going to seek your detention. So I was federally indicted for five charges, three felonies, and two misdemeanors. And uh, I spent uh, spent one day in jail. They didn't seek detention, and I'd been out on bond until uh, well, I'm still out on bond, but um, I just had my trial uh, a couple weeks ago. When you turned yourself in, I just, as I recall, you 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 tried to give the FBI agents copies of the Constitution. How did they react to that? Um, yeah, they said whatever's in your hand, leave it in the car. I said, no, guys, it's okay. These are pocket constitutions. I hand them out to everybody, and they literally, literally backed up with their hands up and said, no, we're good, we're good. Just leave it in the car. Yeah, you know, because they they photographed when they raided my house. They photographed my box of pocket constitutions. So I figured they had some sort of interest in them. So figured I'd try to offer them some. Yeah, I don't think they're familiar with it. No, so I, I think I think a um, a, a, a pocket a constitution to uh, to an FBI agent is like a cross to a vampire. Yeah, it was like kryptonite. I said they also didn't like your patriotic socks. Yeah, they made me take off my socks. They said, "Oh, well, we're gonna have to search your feet, and then when we turn you over to the marshals, um, uh, they're gonna have to do the same thing. So you should just leave your leave your socks." I said, okay, well, as soon as I get to the marshal's office, they put me in uh, ankle shackles. So I think that I did that on purpose, knowing that I'd have to walk around the rest of the day in ankle shackles and, you know, cut my cut my ankles up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so dangerous. You're so dangerous. Yeah. Um, what, were you, what were you charged with? So um, because I traveled with, uh, with friends, um, I was charged with conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding which is a felony, and then obstruction of an official proceeding, which um, is kind of wrongfully uh, labeled for January 6 cases. It was more of a financial, you know, when they when they made that law, but whatever. It's mislabeled. It may go to the Supreme Court. Um, so that's another felony of obstruction. Even though I didn't go inside the building, they say that somehow my being on the outside of the building obstructed Congress from uh, an official proceeding, even though, you know, they had a officer involved shooting inside the building, which was the murder of Ashley Babbitt. Yes. Um, so like I said, I was late to the party, but um, my uh, third felony was I was part of a, a, a chat group for people who wanted to work security for a group of Californians who went to DC. And I uh, missed the rendezvous with these guys for January 6th. So I left that chat group. I didn't, destroy the chat group. I didn't destroy any of my messages in the chat group. And I left it on January 6th because we missed the rendezvous. And they charged me with a felony of corruptly um, destroying or mutilating evidence from a grand jury investigation, even though January 6th, there was no grand jury investigation. So that's another felony. And then I was charged with trespassing and disorderly conduct misdemeanors. Yeah. And of course, screaming Democrat banshees disrupt Congressional hearings all the time, but this law is never used against never. them. Never. 
Yeah. In fact, I think this is this is the, the J6 cases is the first time this law has ever been used in this manner. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, it's just like the uh, the um, law being used in, in against Donald Trump in the civil fraud case in New York has never been used like that before either. Uh, a former pol- a, a former president, the, the records document laws have never been used in that manner before. Uh, all everything is being stretched beyond to encompass these various cases. Um, and of course, you know, if you if you were just like the other, like the BLMs, if you had forcefully tried to break into the White House and injured seventy to eighty uniformed Secret, Secret Service officers, you know, for you know that would have been fine, and your charges would have been dropped like they were in that case. Exactly. Okay. Got. We understand. So we understand how the American legal system works. Uh, let's, let's take a pause here, and when we come back, let's talk about your trial and um, what your and what your prospects are. We will hear again from Ed Hoffman of United American Mortgage, and this half is also sponsored by Attorney Gregory W. Britton, who does business in real property law, and his number is 909-335-7335, 909-335-7335. I hear he is pretty good. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event right here on AM590 The Answer. Mortgage rates are up, but credit card rates are way higher, and credit card balances have hit an all-time high as inflation puts the squeeze on everyone's budget, not to mention how auto loan rates and payments have gone through the roof. Let me point out, it doesn't matter how low your existing mortgage interest rate is if you can't make the payments on everything else. Are you wondering what to do? Do you need some financial strategy? Want to talk to someone who thinks like you? Call me at 855-640-2020. We'll discuss a strategy that works for you today and also considers what happens when the interest rates drop as we move into the inevitable recession. To have that discussion, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, Redlands Tea Party Patriots and Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups. I'm very pleased to uh, be visiting with a great patriot um, who's shown real courage. Um, he, he was at one of the J6 defendants. He, if you just joined us, uh, joined us late here, uh, was on Capitol grounds, but Ray Epps and crew had already removed the fencing around that area and had removed all of the restricted area signs before Derek uh, ever got to the location. There was never an announcement. You're in a restricted area. You have to leave or you'll be arrested. Never went into the Capitol, didn't attack any people, didn't damage any property, didn't steal any property. And he's uh, uh, nevertheless is now a uh, convicted felon as a result of a, a D.C. swamp jury. You were offered, I'm talking about courage, you were, you were offered a plea bargain, were you not? Yes, I was offered to. Okay. And what was it, what, what did they, what did they, what did they offer to, um, in terms of what do you plead guilty to and what, what would your sentence be? Uh, felony conspiracy, um, sentencing would have been somewhere probably between, I don't know, like four and seven years. And what do you, uh, you, you have, you've now been convicted of supposedly tampering with evidence because you left a chat group. Conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, even though you never went into the Capitol and obstructing an official proceeding. Correct? As well as uh, misdemeanor trespassing and disorderly conduct. So yeah, five charges, um, uh, Concurrently, 20-year max for the felonies. They're also seeking a domestic terrorism enhancement, which could add another six or seven years on there. Yeah. Now, this was, this, was, this was unlike the Hamas terrorists we talked about in the first half. You, you quote, terrorists, unquote, were, were, didn't have any weapons, did you? Um, they, uh, they, they were upset that, that we, we had uh, pepper spray and, and things like that. But we were there to deal with Antifa. Um, yeah, you know, we 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 weren't there to have any scuffles with uh, law enforcement, anything like that. 
Yeah, and we, and we all know how much havoc those Hamas terrorists were able to wreck in Israel with their pepper spray. It, it, it was just rough being in court, uh, which is next to the Capitol building, and I'm, I'm facing charges for this, and uh, pro-Hamas people are entering the Capitol building uh, multiple times the whole month that I was out there in D.C. It's, it's so such a double standard. Yeah. It's disgusting. Tell us about the trial in the in 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 D.C. Was there um what was the jury like? Was was there a was there a single Donald Trump voter on that jury? I don't know how anybody voted. The jury was pretty diverse, young, old, different races, different sexual preferences. Um, but everybody had heard of January 6th and everybody knew where they were and they had an opinion already. So everybody was affected by January 6th. And I'm quite sure with the courthouse being that close to um, the Capitol building, I'm sure the court um, was probably locked down or evacuated or something on January 6th. So everybody, everybody is a victim somehow, some way of January 6th, whether it was just curfew, traffic, whatever. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think a, a the J- DC juries have acquitted a single person of a single J6 charge. Is that correct? I don't believe that's, um, I don't believe any juries have. There's been a couple bench trials where people had cooperated and there, there was a couple misdemeanor acquittals here and there, but yeah, nothing, nothing felony wise. What do you think? Um, if you're, as you're, you don't want to, uh, um, uh, give up the attorney client privilege, realistically, what do you think you're, what you're looking at? Um, again, I don't know if they're going to, you know, add the, um, domestic terrorism enhancement on it or not, but like I said, it's, it's like 26 max, you know, so maybe 50% of that. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I don't have any priors, but since I did testify and uh, I was found guilty, they add points for, I think, perjury because, you know, they, they say that I lied because I told my story and the jury didn't believe it. Therefore, I must have lied. So, you know, we'll see how the points add up. Amazing. But, 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 but what, you, what you said, I mean, if, if you said what we talked about, I went, I never went in the Capitol, didn't, didn't hurt anybody, didn't damage any property. That's all true. It's true. And the geolocation, if they would have brought that up, would have showed that we did not head straight to the Capitol. We went back and forth and we took the long way to get there once we heard that Antifa was breaking in, but there's no geolocation provided. Right. And your, your, your concern about Antifa attacking Peaceful, conservative, patriotic uh, protesters is very real. They 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 often do that and not do so very very violently. Yeah, they've killed people. So that's very realistic. And your this this, your conspiracy. There was no conspiracy to do anything wrong other than go to a protest and try to protect people if they're attacked by Antifa. Yep. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I, I I was in a three and a half week trial that the trial had to cost well over a million dollars. So it's like they're they they're investing a couple million dollars just to prosecute four guys of nonviolent crimes. My lawyer has been doing um, criminal law for twenty five years, and it's the longest trial he's ever been in. And he said, "Yeah, murder trials don't take this long, and these are nonviolent crimes." Yeah. And of course, you were not allowed to um, have a full accounting of what the feds did that day. Oh, of course not. Yes, and you know that's that's that that, that kind of is, how could there possibly be justice for the people involved without a full accounting of what the feds did? And you know who gave the you know who gave the order to the Capitol Police to open the doors and let the protesters in? Yeah. Well, God, God will serve that justice. Ultimately, he's the uh, he's the number one judge. So I know in my heart what I did. God knows what I did. That's all that matters. I don't care about the jury. I don't care what Democrats think. And I don't, you know, I know what I did. God knows what I did. Mm-hmm. Frank Herbert, who uh, who wrote the Dune books, said that uh, a large populace held in check by a small but powerful force is quite a common situation in our universe. 
and we know the major conditions wherein this large populace may turn upon its keepers. One, when they find a leader. This is the most volatile threat to the powerful. They must retain control of the leaders. My commentary, hence the political persecution of Donald Trump. Two, when the populace recognizes its change, keep the populace blind and unquestioning. Put on your mask! Three, when the populace perceives a hope of escape from bondage, they must never believe that escape is possible. So whether whether they know whether any of these the the uh, Department of Injustice have read this, this is what they're doing. I think they're trying to um, go so over the top that um, to, to intimidate and make patriots fear opposing their regime. We only got like twenty seconds left. Final comments, final words. I just want to. I'll, I'm, uh, before I give a turn it over to you for a brief uh, final word, I want to thank you for being on the show, and thank you for your courage. You, I mean, the, the easy thing would have been to take a plea and get a shorter sentence, but you know you did nothing wrong, and you went to trial even in the D.C. swamp. Final word. Yep. Um, I just want to urge everybody out there to not be scared. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. Um, this was a scare tactic. And for some people, it worked. For me, it did not. And, uh, you know, if, if you're a patriot that loves this country, uh, this country was a gift from God. And it was by God's grace and God's help that uh, our founding fathers fought the British off. So if you're a patriot and uh, you're not bound, you're to Christ. Uh, I just urge you all to take that extra step. And um, just uh, God is the inventor and author of freedom. Derek, is there a place where people can contribute to your legal defense and or helping support your family? Uh, yes, it can go to givesengo.com, givesengo.com forward slash my name, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, last name Kinnison, K-I-N-N-I-S-O-N. Thank you, Derek. And um, as always, tune in next week for another exciting edition of Unite, i.e. Radio. AM 590. The answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 